Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Listen, I hear this all the time from people. You've probably said it in your life uh, as well, but change is hard. Uh, Nobody likes change. Everybody loves routine. Don't be messing with my routine. Uh, don't, Don't tell me to change and to do something differently. Like I do things the way I do it just because I like to do it this way. And uh, no, no one wants to, to mess up their, their habits, their schedule, their, their routine. And, and, and for a culture, though, that hates change so much, you know, I don't, I don't, you rarely meet somebody that's like, I just love change. For a culture that hates change so much, uh, we are a people that love to change. I, I was looking at some the things, the rate of change in our culture was some of the things that, that are in our daily lives and, and ran across these things this week. Uh, the average American gets a new cell phone every two years. Every two years. That, that phone that you bought that was brand new, that was so awesome, that this is the phone of all phones, I'll never need another phone. Two years later, you're like, this phone is terrible. It doesn't work anymore. The pictures are bad. And we get a new phone. Every, every two years, we swap out and we change and we get a, a new phone. The average American changes jobs every four years. Every four years, we're like, I, I don't want to work here anymore. I can go somewhere else and get paid more. I can do something different. And we're convinced the grass is greener on the other side or with some other boss or in some other firm or some other city. Every four years, uh, the average American changes jobs. Every eight years, uh, Americans get a new car. The average person drives their car for eight years and you get attached to that car. I know people, friends of mine, which will remain nameless to protect them and their innocence, cat, uh, that name their cars. Do you know a person that names their car? Like they give it like, an, a, like a real name, a person's name. And they get attached to that car, man. And, and then like they love it so much and it was your dream car and you spend all kind of money washing it and keeping it up. And then eight years later, you're like, this thing's terrible. This thing's a dump. It's time for a new, a new car, a new, a new Trevor SUV, whatever you call your car. Uh, man, it's, it's crazy every, every eight years. Uh, let's talk about relationships. Relationships change a lot. In America, the average couple dates for two years. That's the average length of span that somebody dates. And at the end of two years, you do one of two things. You either break it off and you start all the way over dating someone else or you move into the engagement season. The average engagement season only lasts uh, 15 months in, in the United States. And that's when you're either saying, I have learned things in the first 15 months that make me want to try to get my deposit back for all that wedding stuff that we've planned. <laughs> like, I got to get out of here. Or you change. You go from dating to engaged to now you're, you're married. Well, the, the average marriage in America lasts for 8.2 years. Uh, another way that we change is the, the, the average person stays at an address for nine years. Every nine years, the average American moves. Isn't that interesting that the average marriage lasts 8.2 years and, and the average home that you live in lasts nine years? It's crazy to think that most Americans uh, value their mortgage more than their marriage. It just lasts longer. 
But things are constantly changing. Nothing stays the same. And I know this whole series has, has been about changing in, in various areas of your life. And so we've talked about how to change in your marriage and your finances and in your relationship with God and how change can be a good thing. So here's what I'm going to do. To close out the series today, I'm going to flip the script. We're going to do communion next Sunday. And so like this is it for, for the changes series. After nine weeks of convincing you that you need to change, and talking about how beneficial and helpful change for B can be. I'm going to close week 10 out with this. Just one simple phrase. For some of you, many of you in the room, you need to stop changing. Like I know I begged you to change. I know I talked about like give you a million things that could probably use some change in your life. But I've noticed something about our culture. When we change too much, it prevents us from putting some roots down. It prevents us from making progress in some key areas. And instead of like just hunkering down, just digging in and and doing the work that it takes, we'll hit the eject button. Like relationships gets hard, we're out. Life gets rough, I'm done. You don't like your job? Nope, next. And what happens is we uproot ourselves and we change so often in our lives that we're missing out on the growth that we could see if we were simply willing just to stay planted. And so for some of you, you change so often and you pick yourself up and and replant your family or your life or your situation and circumstances so much that it's actually keeping you from growing. And so I want to challenge you, for some of you, it's time to stop changing and actually put down some roots. I had a, a, a neighbor when I first moved to Winston-Salem. There was a, there was a guy in his backyard. Uh, he had a bunch of bamboo plants, like trees, growing, like bamboo. What is it stalks or st- I don't know. What it's, bamboo is growing in his backyard. I had never seen live bamboo in my entire life. And if you would have asked me, Nathan, where does bamboo grow in the United States, I would not have said Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I don't know if you think Winston-Salem when you think of bamboo. But it just made me curious, so I I did a little research on bamboo, and I ran across this little fun fact. Um, When you plant a seed for bamboo, for four years, it does not break the surface of the ground. For four years, there is not a single leaf, not a single stalk, not a single shoot that comes up through the ground. For the first four years, you're watering it, and it gets sunlight every single day. The root system is being established in the ground, but nothing ever happens above ground. And I think that's something that we can learn from that as followers of Jesus today, that there are seasons in our life where if we will just settle down and put some roots, focus in on growing deep, instead of as soon as it gets hard or as soon as we don't like it or as soon as something changes, we uproot ourselves and move on. I think if we would just learn from the bamboo plant here and just put some roots down, then eventually, once that foundation is established, we'll actually see some growth. So out of 1 Peter today, uh, we're going to be in chapter 5. If you have your app, you can open it up. All the notes and the sermon points will be in there. You can follow along. But I want to give you four principles that, that Peter shares with us in this text. If you want to see some growth in your life, like if you want to see your spiritual growth kick-started, 
Maybe you're in a season where you're just like, man, I'm just not growing. I'm not making the progress that I want to. I wish I was further along in my, like, my spiritual life than what I actually am. Then Peter is going to give us the keys. Like th- This is it. If you want to see some exponential growth in your relationship with Jesus, then you got to catch these four principles. I think these things apply to anything you want to grow in. Your physical uh, life, your relational life, your financial life. It's all for that. But I want to talk specifically specifically this morning about growing spiritually in a world where when things get hard or things happen that we don't like, most people will just up and replant themselves somewhere else. I want to talk about the importance of getting some roots and and growing deep in your relationship with God to get prepared for whatever he has for you next. Like I said, this book is written by Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, and so he knows a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to Jesus and and following him. And so in verse one of chapter five, here's where Peter lays it out for us. He's speaking to the church, to followers of Jesus. He says, to the elders, to to the mature Christians that are listening, that are in the room, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory of the Lord to be revealed. Here's here's what I want to challenge you with. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, to the other people that are members of the church. And, And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, less mature in your faith, haven't been following Jesus as long as some others in the room, submit yourselves to these elders. Here's the first thing that I want to challenge you with. If, if you want to know, that, like kickstart your spiritual health and your spiritual growth this morning, here's the first thing that, that Peter teaches us. We got to understand this. Number one, we're surrounded, not isolated. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to surround yourself with other people, not isolate yourself from people. Peter starts this chapter out by talking about the church and one of the reasons why church is so important. I've met people over this past two years where you know we had lockdown and weren't meeting in person and more and more people began to ask the question, is church really important? Like the gathering here on Sunday morning. Is this important, what we do? Can't I just stay at home? Can't I, can't I just wake up on Sunday morning and pour myself a cup of coffee and just sit down at my kitchen table and open up my Bible and, and read some? Can't I just like go to YouTube and find some of these same worship songs that we sing in here and just, just play them and listen to them and meditate over them? I remember, remember people over, over, the, uh, over COVID, they would post online, they'd say, I had church this morning. And they, they were talking about sitting in their kitchen, just reading their Bible and, and just like connecting one on God. Like I had church. And I was like, did you? Because the Bible actually makes it pretty clear what church is. And we've said this all the time, church is not a building. Uh, We don't go to church, we are the church. But individuals are not the church. The church is a gathering. You by yourself are not the church. You, when you get in this room with a bunch of other people, that's the church. Now we can meet outside or inside or in a bowling alley or in your backyard, whatever. It doesn't matter where we meet, but the gathered believers, that's what the church is. 
And I don't know anyone that's growing in their relationship with Jesus that's doing it by themselves. I don't know of anyone that has isolated themselves and can say that they're moving forward in a relationship with Jesus because that's not how Jesus designed this relationship would be. And all throughout these verses, we begin to see things. Peter lists these different things. He says, you want to know why it's so important to show up, to, to gather with a church family? He says, man, you're, you're going to be surrounded with people that encourage you. You need people that will encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I'm singing in, in here on a Sunday morning and, and like I'm, I've got other things on my mind or I'm thinking about the message or like one of the lights is flickering and I'm like, why is that flickering? And I can't, like my ADD takes over. And, and, but, but here's what happens. When I hear you all singing, it inspires me. And when I, when I hear other people worshiping Jesus in the room, it makes me want to sing a little bit louder. Some of you may wonder, like, why is the volume so loud in here? It's to, to drone out the voices like mine that don't sound good, right? I want to be able to sing at the top of my lungs without people leaving and, and just thinking the Holy Spirit has totally left the building, right? And so, I, like, I'm singing because I'm encouraged by you guys. When I see people serving, it encourages me, it inspires me to serve. I don't get that at home. If I'm sitting at my kitchen table by myself, just reading the Bible, no one's encouraging me to become more like Jesus. No one is pushing me and inspiring me in my faith. That's why it's important to gather. Peter also says, one, another reason why it's important to gather is you're gonna see people that are setting a spiritual example for you. You don't get that by yourself. If you're living in isolation, you're only gonna grow and push yourself as much as you are gonna push yourself. But here at the church, there are people that are further along in their marriage, further along in their walk with Jesus, further along in their journey of generosity and, and submission to Christ. And when you see them, like they serve as an example. Like th there are people in our church that have been married 20, 30 years longer than I have. And I look at them, I'm just like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. That's like, that's the example. There are people that, that worship in here and like your hands are raised and you're singing and like I can just tell like you are in it. And I'm looking over and I was like, I want to be like that. Like they, they inspire me, they encourage me. That's a great example. And multiple ways people serve in and outside of our church and they're examples for other people. You don't get that by yourself. And so Peter says, listen, if you want to grow, it's going to be really important. You got to surround yourself with people, not isolate yourself. Because something incredible happens when a gathering of believers comes together. We begin to encourage one another and push one another and inspire one another and serve as an example to one another. And, and, and then Peter goes on and says another part of it is like inside of a local church, there's leaders, he calls them elders. And, and here at Revo, we have, we have different levels of leadership. We have elders and pastors and advisory team. We have small group leaders. But all of them are doing something really important. They're helping to push you to become more like Jesus. If you're a part of a small group in a community, you know that person that's leading that small group is pushing you to read your Bible, to spend time in prayer, to gather in community, to, to grow in that relationship, to move forward. Like, you need that. You need people like that that are willing to, to push you and to grow. So in your spiritual life, if you haven't surrounded yourself with people that are loving and following Jesus, then that might be one of the reasons why you feel like in your life right now, you've kind of hit the pause button on the growth. Dig in 
Surround yourself. Don't, don't isolate yourself. If you want to grow, put down some roots. Go all in in a church. And if Revo is not your church, like if you're a first time guest here and you're like, I don't like this church. I don't like that guy. Uh, he's not funny and he's chubby, whatever. Uh, I don't like that music. What, like go to a different church. That's fine. Find a church where you can dig in and pour your life out and become a member. I'm telling you, you surround yourself instead of isolating yourself, then you will grow. Uh, your relationship with Jesus will, will get more involved and you'll begin to lay that foundation. That's what Peter challenges us with. Second part of verse five, he says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Here's the second thing. Now, don't get sidetracked by this. Let me explain it to you. But here's, here's what Peter says. If you want to grow, if you want to see some progress, here's the next principle. Number two, uh, you need to be clothed, not naked. Clothed, not naked. Throughout Scripture, this word, this phrase is used that Christians, followers of Jesus, are actually supposed to clothe ourselves in certain things. Here, Peter says we need to put on the, the shirt or the coat of humility. This is one of the examples that Scripture tells us to, to clothe ourselves. These are attitudes, these are characteristics, these are outlooks that we put on every day as followers of Jesus. Now, listen, I don't, I don't know about you, uh, but I have never walked out of my house a single time accidentally having forgotten to put my clothes on. Like I've never walked out into my driveway and I pull the keys out of my pocket and then I'm realized, oh wait, I don't have a pocket. I'm not wearing pants right now. Shoot, I forgot to put pants on. How did this happen? And I turn around and I walk back and let myself into the door pantsless. I have forgotten a lot of things. Sometimes I forget my keys. Sometimes I forget my phone. Sometimes I forget my wallet. Never forgotten my pants before. I have never been in my car halfway to the campus and looked down and realized I don't have pants on. Let me turn back around. No, like none of us would ever leave our houses in the morning forgetting to put on clothes. But it's interesting that as followers of Jesus, sometimes we will walk out of our house not clothed in the things that God calls us to be clothed in. Like I got my shirt on, but I don't walk out of the house thinking, hey, today I'm gonna clothe and wrap myself in humility. I'm gonna be humble to those, to my boss when they say something that I don't like or to that customer or client when they do something that I don't particularly like and, and when somebody cuts me off in the road or, or when someone doesn't treat me right or when something happens, when, when I want something to happen but it hasn't happened yet or I'm waiting on God's timing, there are so many ways that we can be tested in this area and if you don't put humility on every morning, then you walk out of the house spiritually naked. There's something that God has called us to put on and we've decided not to. How often do we walk around without clothes on? Because we've forgotten what it's like. Maybe one of the reasons why your, your relationship with God isn't growing, you're not growing deep, is, is that you're not clothing yourselves in the things that, that God has called you to. So here, Peter says, clothe yourselves in humility. And, and, he, and he challenges us, trust in God in that, 
instead of having pride in your life that looks at God and says, I know what I'm doing and when it should happen, he says, clothe yourselves in humility and trust in God's way and trust in God's timing. That's how he lays it out. So how, how are you doing in that? Are you, are you isolated or are you surrounded? Uh, are you clothed in righteousness, clothed in humility like scripture tells us to? Or are you walking around spiritually with, with nothing on? Evaluate those things as you have a desire to grow in that relationship with God. Verse 7 says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety, all of your cares, whatever you are overwhelmed with right now, whatever you're anxious about, whatever you're nervous over, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're concerned about, whatever is keeping you up at night, Peter says if you want to grow spiritually, then you have to learn how to cast those things onto the Lord. Throw those things. Because if you don't, here's a good way that you are not going to grow. The third thing I want you to jot down is this. we got to be casting, not carrying. Casting, not carrying. Some of you may not be growing in your relationship with Jesus because those things that are wearing you down, and the, the burdens that you're carrying, you were never meant to carry. You were meant to cast those. You were meant to give those to God. You were meant to, to trust God in humility and say, God, I don't have time to worry about this. I can't worry about this. This is not a worry that you call me to, so I'm going to cast it on you. Stop carrying those things and start casting them to God. That word cast, I don't, I don't know if, like if, if you're a fisherman or not, but my, my dad has this little 20-foot fishing boat that my brother and I grew up on, and, and we, we fished all the time, and, and we would go to the beach during the summer, and we'd fish off the pier and just have a fun time, just doing, just doing dude stuff together. Uh, but my, my brother and I, no, no matter where we were, if we were on the boat or on the dock or on the pier, like we always would have a, a, a competition to see who could cast their, their rod the, fa- the farthest, right? It doesn't matter. Who cares about catching fish? Like, let's see if I can throw my bait further than you can throw your bait. That was, that was, all, that was all it was. And so that idea of, like, that's what Peter talks about here. He says, that thing that is concerning you, that is weighing you down, that worry, that anxiety, like, you just need to put that thing rare back and throw it as far as you can. Just cast it as far as you can from you and give that to God. Trust God with it. Because if you're carrying things that God has commanded you to cast onto him, it's going to slow you down. And you won't make the progress. You won't be able to handle what God has for you next because you're not casting, you're carrying. So what is it in your life that you just need to do an honest evaluation like, hey God, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't carry this. I was not made for this. I was not designed for that. And, and you need to have like a good sibling competition on how far you can throw that and cast that towards God. Just say, God, I'm going to trust you with it. You deal with it. I'm going to pray and, and do everything I'm supposed to do, but ultimately I've got to leave it in your hands. I don't want to be worried. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be burdened by the things of the world that you've called me to surrender over to you. Last thing uh, happens in, in verse 8 and 9. Here's how Peter closes it down. He says, I want, you, I want you to be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, 
because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is, on, is undergoing the same kind of sufferings right now. These, these last two verses are really important for our growth because Peter makes it very clear that unless you have the correct understanding of sin, you will never grow spiritually. Unless you understand there is an enemy, he is real, and he is out to steal, kill, and destroy every ounce and aspect of success in your life and in your relationship with God. If you don't understand that, you will never grow. There will always be something holding you back. So when it comes to sin, here Peter gives us this, there's a relationship aspect between you and sin that we need to understand. And if you're under 30, you're gonna get this. If you're over 30, just calm down. I'm gonna explain it to you in a minute. But here's, just, just write this down and I will explain it. Here's how Peter says your relationship with sin needs to be. Ghosting, not stalking. Number four, write that down. Ghosting, not stalking. That's how your relationship with sin. Now, if you don't know what ghosting is, that's a relationship term. Um, if you're not a millennial or a Gen Z, here's the definition. Ghosting someone is the practice of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing all communication. So if you were dating someone and every day you used to talk and every day you would call each other on the phone and every day you'd post on each other's social media and slide into DMs and all that, if you did that every day and then all of a sudden, like just zero contact, you text your boyfriend and he doesn't respond. You call the girl and she doesn't pick up and she's changed her voicemail. You call the girl and it's like, this phone is no longer in operation. Like she has blocked you, bro. It's over. And you go to her house and she's not there. And you go to that place where you used to drink coffee and hang out and he, he isn't there anymore. And there's no, there was no, I'm sorry, baby, it's not you, it's me. There's no, God told me to break up with you. There's none of that. Like, it's just like clear cut communication is gone. That's ghosting. That's the relationship that you and I need to have with sin. Ghost it, man. Don't communicate with anymore. Like right now, just cut communication. I don't know if you need to delete an app or block somebody or put something on your computer. I don't know what it needs to look like, but that needs to be a relationship. You need to flee from that. You have an enemy that is out to destroy you. And if you have a cordial relationship with sin that it will inhabit, it will prohibit any growth that you want to have spiritually, ghost it. Cut communication off, cold turkey. The problem is most of us don't want to do that. We want to stalk sin. We don't want to get too close to it. We don't want anybody else to know that we're, we're, we're involved in that. So it's going to be behind the scenes and, and look but don't touch and, and like just keep it at a distance. But I don't, I don't want to totally eradicate it, man. I, I don't want to flee from it. I don't want to ghost. I'm going to keep it close. I'm not going to, it's not going to be all the time thing but I'm just going to slowly wean myself off of it. And that's your game plan for your relationship with sin. Don't do it, man. Ghost it. The scripture says that you have an enemy that is prowling around like a roaring lion. I, I don't want to laugh at this, um, but I saw something online um, this week. Uh, in Las Vegas, there's a hotel, the MGM Grand, and it's a, it's a casino there. And you know the, the MGM logo is a lion. It's a huge lion. And they actually have real live lions inside the casino. It's like an exhibit that you can see. And, and, and there was a guy there that had his phone out and he was videoing there's two lions and two lion tamers, like entertainers in this cage together. And who would have thought what happened next? 
But that lion decided, I'd like to know what that guy tastes like. And on Instagram Live, this lion starts to attack his trainer. And he's got this trainer's arm in his mouth and he won't let it go. And he's dragging the other trainers, like coming in with the whip. I'm like, what are you going to do with that whip, bro? Like, that's not helping you right now. And he's like dragging him along the exhibit. And and, like everybody's screaming and panicking, except for this one guy. Like he's filming, he's into it. But like, I'm looking at that. I'm just like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, you, you know what lions eat, right? Meat. You know what you're made of? Meat. Like, they get one taste of you. Like, they accidentally lick you one time, and it is over. Like, something triggers in their mind. They're going to taste you. And that's what happened. And you look, and this guy's like, he loses his arm. What did you think was going to happen when you tried to pet a lion? That's what happens. Scripture says, you have an enemy. The devil is prowling around looking for someone to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't understand that, you're going to walk up to a lion trying to pet your sin, and it's going to devour you. It's time to ghost that thing, man. You got to cut that off before sin destroys your life. You will never grow in your relationship with Jesus as long as you have sin looming in the background. If you don't take that seriously, it will come back to hurt you. It will affect your ability to grow in that all key area. What do you think is going to happen when you pet a lion? It's not going to end well. You have no control over that thing. And it'll lull you into this sense that, oh, I, I can do it. I don't, it doesn't have to be cold turkey. I can just keep it at a distance. I can, as long as no one sees it and we're in the background stalking something that's actually stalking you. It's keeping you from growing in the areas that you need to. Hey, I started the, the story off with uh, the bamboo. Can you imagine planting a seed into the ground and for four years, it gets just the right amount of sunlight you water it every single day and nothing happens. Well, I read a little bit further into it to find out that bamboo is actually the fastest growing plant in the world. Bamboo reaches 90 feet faster than any other plant on the face of the earth. In fact, during its peak growing season, a bamboo shoot can grow two feet every single day. Do you want to know how it can sustain that great growth? Because for four years, it laid down the roots. For four years, it established a foundation. And I am convinced that there is some spiritual growth, some blessing, some opportunities, some open doors that God has for you. But if you don't have the right foundation, you'll never be able to support the dream and the goal that God has for you. You'll never be able to understand that quick growth, that extreme blessing, those opportunities that God places. If you're constantly just uprooting yourself and, well, it got hard, so move here. Well, it's not happening fast enough, so move here. And, and like, well, I don't like that place, so let's, let's, let's start over here. Hit the reset button. Try again. Move on. Try something different. You'll never establish the foundation that you have to have to experience what God wants for you. So my challenge for you today, stop changing. Ask God, what areas of my life do I need to stop panicking, stop being anxious over, stop being consumed by, and just trust that if I'll lay the roots down and I'll continue to do what God's called me to do, then the foundation will be laid and one day we'll see some growth. 
One day, things will change. One day, the door will open. One day, the blessing will appear. One day, God will give me the opportunity that I wanted. And it'll be the result of a season where you committed to staying planted. Not changing, not bailing out, not running at the first sign of difficulty. So, what would it look like for you to clothe yourself with humility? What would it look like for you to surround yourself with people that are going to to push you and challenge you and encourage you? What what would it look like to ghost the sin in your life today? Not, Not later, right now. Ghost the things that are keeping you from growing and moving forward. You do that, I think those principles will really help you grow spiritually in your relationship with Jesus and take the next step. Stop changing. Start taking root and see what God wants to do in your life. Pray for you. God, thanks for the, the challenge from, from Peter here. You talk about a guy that knows a thing or two about bailing out, about quitting, about saying he's going to do one thing but not following through with it. There's so much credibility when, when a, a man like Peter that you called, that you entrusted, that, 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 that your son Jesus invested in for such a long period of time, when he steps up, It says there's value in being rooted. There's value in being connected and growing deeper with other believers and in in the setting of a local church and in your relationship with God. God, help us to see that value. Help us to see that significance and importance. And and for, for those of us that feel like quitting, like throwing the towel in, like just hitting reset, walking away from it all, just thinking that that's gonna solve the problems, God, help us to commit to staying rooted in you for us to get our our marching orders and our vision for the future from you, to stay committed so that we can see one day the blessings that you have for us and the purpose and the plan that you have for our life. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.